Comic books and movies have often featured patriotic themes and messaging, but that's changed a lot throughout history. Today on We Understood That Reference, we'll be talking a bit about patriotism in our superhero pop culture and what it means not only for America, but for the world. I'm Claiborne. And I'm Nick Gill. So I guess we should probably start off with perhaps the most uh, super uh, patriotic superhero of them all, Captain America, or possibly Superman. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a good place to start. Is there one that's perhaps more American? Obviously, Captain America, obvious uh, patriot. America is in the name. But Superman certainly, you know, upholds those American ideals and I think is a symbol of patriotism as well. Uh, what do you think? Is is one more American than the other? Um, that's a really great question. I think that um, Captain America really is kind of wrapped in the flag and it's really hard to escape um his ties to towards america and american patriotism but i think superman's been a longtime symbol of america and immigrant story and just america in general for for decades and decades um and he was kind of the the first one so i think that there's more history with superman but yeah i think that that history is more tied closely to captain america yeah and i think it kind of goes to the um sort of the difference, the creative differences between Marvel and DC as well, because I think Superman is really the ideal of America, mm-hmm. not the reality. And I think Captain America is much more, not not only like the reality of maybe being an American, but certainly the reality of um, the American government or America's uh, influence in the world. That's true. And throughout the decades, like they've really um, allowed Captain America to be like a reflection of America versus um, like a a stationary thing, the way Superman's been. Um, like even in, I think it was in the seventies when Captain America took on his nomad personality. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, America was going through like Watergate and like distrust towards the government. And throughout the same time, you know, Captain America, you know, renounced the Captain America name, took on like a a new persona called Nomad, which they kind of touched on in. Um, Infinity War, where he would no he no, no longer had a shield. He you know wasn't really going by Captain America. Grew out some facial hair. <laughs> yeah, the infamous beard. There's nothing more uh, un-American than a beard, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially when you're like a soldier and you're supposed to be like clean cut and um, you know kind of adhering to certain standards. Yeah, so both Superman and Captain America then have probably changed quite a bit. Um, throughout history, not only just, um, you know, in terms of in their everyday kind of character and personality and all of that to match the times, but certainly in terms of patriotism, because what patriotism means has changed throughout history. And like you brought up the 70s, where there was a big uh, distrust, feeling of distrust in the um, government, especially especially following Watergate uh, and Vietnam. Uh, And then, you know, obviously, World War Two was probably if I had to guess like the most patriotic time in the history of America, probably um, World War II would be that that moment. And I don't think there's ever been a time when we've probably come close to that again, other than maybe right after September 11th. You're right. You're right. And it's interesting because um, in the 19, you know, late 1930s, early 1940s is really when uh, the superhero comic books really took off. That's when um, Superman, Batman really started with their popularity. Um, Marvel, or the time, timely comics with um, Captain America, 
the Human Torch and the Submariner, those were their like superhero properties back then, and they were um, the comics back then were really tied into the war effort mm-hmm. and the, the the growth in popularity of comic books really you know lined up with uh, that period of patriotism in the 1940s, and you know in a similar vein, the popularity of um, superhero movies kind of coincided with the the period of time right after 9/11 with Spider-Man really kicking off this um, superhero movie renaissance that we've seen in the last 20 years. Yeah, and with um, patriotism, of course, it's often connected to the military, but there's certainly a lot of other aspects to it and, you know, to what makes America, America. Um, do you think that Captain America versus Superman, one of them maybe does a better job of um, kind of that military connection versus more maybe a more human uh, everyday American type of connection? Yeah, I think that's a really cool angle. I think that Captain America kind of probably has that more military edge to him because he, he is a soldier. He's um, uh, he's more tied to you know the, the government. He works for um, the government sometimes. And mm-hmm. with with Superman, he's, he's more autonomous. And I think that's actually like a really cool way to, to like distinguish Superman as um in, in the mainstream yeah you know as kind of a because he he and captain america are very like similar characters they're both very yeah you know kind of straight arrow you know good guy yeah and even though you know i i don't like um the man of steel and that kind of direction that the dc movies have gone mm-hmm. there is that i don't know if it's iconic but there is a pretty memorable line from uh man of steel where he says uh I grew up in Kansas. I'm about as American as it gets. <laughs> yeah. And so I guess in a, in a way, like, you know, he really did have that American experience, Clark Kent growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, it is interesting that, you know, then he goes on to move to the big city um, and, and and become this uh, big city reporter. And then, of course, Steve Rogers. I don't know what it is like in the comics, but I think, you know, Steve Rogers in the movies, uh, he was he was from Brooklyn or something, right? Right. Yep. He's just a kid from Brooklyn. And that's certainly, I think, a, a big disconnect in, in modern times. Um, you know, we often hear about the um, kind of urban versus rural uh, divide in the country and, you know, a lot of the, the coastal cities and then, you know, referring to middle America as, as flyover country. And so that is an interesting, I think, um, juxtaposition between these two particular characters um, with Clark Kent being this Midwest uh, guy that grows up and says, you know, I'm about as American as it gets. And he's really representing that more small town life, uh, smallville life, I guess you would say. Uh, but then Steve Rogers is, you know, right out of Brooklyn, uh, a, a place that, you know, obviously is still part of New, uh, part of America, has a lot of uh, patriotic history in terms of New York City. Uh, you know, September 11th was here and all of this. So and the, the famous photograph of the uh, soldier uh, kissing the woman in Times Square. So, you know, you can't really disconnect New York City from patriotism and from America, but there is this this divide between, uh, you know, city city people and uh, rural people and small town life. And it's like, you know, which one is the real America? But in a way, you know, we're both. So um, maybe that's the case here, too, is, you know, Captain America and Superman, both very American. No one is more American than the other. They're just uh, American in different ways. That's a really cool point. That's a really interesting observation. I kind of want to see um, Captain America versus Superman now. Are there any um, other superheroes that are particularly uh, patriotic other than Captain America and Superman? Uh, I think that Cap- uh, that, that uh, Iron Man is a really cool critique on America, kind of the like 
excess and wealth. And um, if you look at, at the Iron Man character as kind of a modern day critique on America, it, it kind of works to an extent. Especially with his origin story of being, you know, literally arms dealer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this kind of like a, a Boeing type of corporation or whatever, winning, mm -hmm. winning American wars out in the world and then coming to the realization that, you know, he's essentially selling to both sides and uh, that war is not American or, you know, it's it's not American or anti-American. It's, it's, it's kind of both at the same time. Right. Um, so, and then, you know, then he becomes this kind of corporate uh, crusader, do-gooder type of person, which in reality probably doesn't really exist. But I do think that it's an interesting perspective on um, perhaps the, a kind of new patriotism because now with people, I think most Americans probably don't have a lot of faith in the country, certainly not the government. And just in general, I think, you know, it's, it's harder to be to feel like you're 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 American because the world is just so big and global now and connected. Um, so you know what does it really mean to be, you know, German or or American or Japanese or whatever? Because ultimately, you can you get on a plane and, and go wherever you want. Um, you know, obviously easier for some than than others, but uh, but still with that global connection, uh, it's kind of like leaving that national identity behind in a way and then of course you know nothing is really more american probably than than uh you know rich rich corporation uh be it mcdonald's or walmart or amazon or whatever and in a way that's kind of what uh tony stark represents although you know he's fighting for good in the sense that like uh i guess similar to bruce wayne as batman but in reality, you know, you know, Jeff Bezos isn't dressing up as a bat and fighting crime. Not that uh, we know of. You know, the Waltons don't have suits of armor <laughs> and the day they fly around with uh, protecting, uh, protecting the good guys. Kind of, if anything, we, we probably need, um, you know, protection against, against them. Yeah, it's more like... We don't know what Jeff Bezos is doing up in space with his uh, rockets. Yeah, it's more like Lex Luthor. It's kind of interesting how they made Superman's main villain to be... Lex Luthor, like a corporate tycoon type yeah, person. Yeah, and Tony Stark, he's certainly, he's kind of, you know, that Lex Luthor character, mm -hmm. right? He's just yeah. like a good Lex Luthor. Um, and that's interesting because I think that's um, what we're struggling with right now with just kind of with capitalism in general and certainly here in America, you know, with Disney. Disney owns everything now, they including, you know, own Marvel uh, and Tony Stark. <laughs> and so I guess, you know, it's probably, maybe it's not an accident that, um, you know, the good guy is essentially a, a rich corporation. Um, and that's sort of the the new patriotism, I, I think, in, in my mind here is that, especially with how people interact now with brands online, you know, you're, 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 you can be a fan, a follower of McDonald's and you can, you know, there's a ton of people out there who probably, you know, really love Nike or really love Adidas, and uh, you know they they live by that brand. Uh, so in a way, that's that's the new country that people choose to self-identify with, and it's really these little corporate gardens that they're building. That's true. So any other good um, sort of patriotic or super American um, superheroes that have perhaps maybe not hit the big screen yet? Um, well, I think in general, a lot of superheroes kind of play off of that mythos of, of um, like American characteristics, you know, being um, independent, having like the autonomy to make your own decisions yeah, and like fighting for freedom. Yeah, it's interesting. There's not like you couldn't say that there's a lot of um, there's not really a lot of socialist um, superheroes, right? Like, um, 
they all kind of fight for that idea of freedom in the sense, mm-hmm. in the very American sense, the capitalist sense of uh, freedom. They're not, you know, Superman's not fighting for universal health care. Um, you know, Tony Stark isn't using his billions to uh, provide everyone with education and access to clean drinking water around the world or something like that. Mm-hmm. What about the X-Men? They're kind of socialist. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, isn't it more like a, a Harvard uh, exclusive, exclusive club. Oh, that's true. You have to have special powers to get in. <laughs> yeah, you literally have to yeah, be, a, be a mutant. They're not, I guess, uh, maybe in terms of them as an actual society, uh, once you get into the X-Men, maybe it's a little more of a, a team-based approach and, approach and it's a lot less uh, individualistic. But, um, you know, they certainly kind of close themselves off, I think, from from the rest of the world. And I guess that's the big debate in the X-Men world is, um, you know, should mutants exist for mutant kind? And uh, are they antagonistic to humans because humans are a threat? Or do we all try to get along? And as far as I've seen, you know, X-Men hasn't really done a good job of making a case for us all getting along. It always seems to come down to humans trying to uh, destroy mutants and then mutants uh, perhaps uh, responding more aggressively than they should and just causing more fear in humans. That's true. And everyone ends up being a superhero. There is an interesting um, comic, I guess. Uh, I, I guess it's a comic storyline for Superman called Red Sun. Are you familiar with that one? Oh, yeah. So where, where, that's one the one where uh, instead of landing in Kansas, he lands in Soviet Russia. Yeah, so that that's interesting to think about it um, in that sense of like, you know, if... Superman, he has this, he has these American ideals. I don't know about the Red Sun storyline, but I imagine it's a bit anti-Russia, anti-Soviet Union mm-hmm. propaganda, probably. So obviously, he's probably embodying a lot of their um, worst aspects. <laughs> but right. that same idea is if if uh, Superman landed in I don't know Denmark or something, then would he you know be fighting more for these kind of more socialist causes? Um, it is kind of a commentary on patriotism nationalism Mm -hmm. in a way in that uh you know it's all it's all just happens happenstance what you know it's who knows where you're going to be born you know you don't have that control so you know superman didn't choose to be american that's where he landed and then he was raised american that's interesting because the only one i can think of that kind of embodies that kind of like socialist kind of viewpoint would be robin hood but i I don't think he's an actual like an american superhero or like or character you mean like Robin Hood of folklore with the yeah. the bow and arrow. Right. Is he is he has he ever been a comic book like a? Maybe. I know Marvel has stolen Thor <laughs> and Norse mythology, so I, I am sure that somebody probably thought to steal Robin Hood, but um, but yeah, yeah, Robin Hood certainly you know stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. Mm-hmm. But that's not he's not a like he didn't originate in America, did he? No, I'm pretty sure it's a kind of a British British thing. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like um, all of the the characters or superheroes that you know were American creations kind of embody American values. Yeah, and I guess because you know with, with Robin Hood in particular, it's not so much that I think that he's embodying socialism. Perhaps it's more that he's sort of against that feudalist society that they had, um, and the the monarchy and all of that. So it was probably you know more in line with that kind of resistance of. Uh, uh, European history of uh, why why are these uh, rich kings and queens and, and noble people why are they getting to uh, have everything while uh, everyone else mm-hmm. struggles which I think is you know early kind of precursor probably to 
to socialism. That's true. It's interesting how a lot of these characters are really reflections on their times and also like a critique or um, com- commenting on mm-hmm. on their times. That's why when you have like a superhero, like a lot of the the great ones like Batman, Superman, even you know the, the Marvel characters who were born like in the in the early '60s, you see a lot of them being kind of retooled a little bit, reimagined when they make it to the big screen today um, to kind of speak to a new audience and kind of embody a, a new critique or criticism or commentary on modern life versus what life was like in the 60s or in the 30s and 40s. Yeah. And do you think regular audiences are picking up on some of these themes or messages that are um, going out there or even maybe subconsciously? I think they're picking up on um, like the themes and, and the way that it's relating to their life today. I don't know if the casual viewer is really thinking about the differences between the way a character is portrayed today versus the way a character was portrayed 50 years ago. Yeah, but it could make for an interesting perspective when you're watching older media. Um, I, I know I've had this happen before with old movies and things. Probably nothing comes to mind in terms of superheroes right now, but uh, you know, you watch an old movie and uh, the, the values of the day were different or the concerns were different back then. And so it, it, it seems a bit weird. It seems a bit strange at first whenever you hear people you know, advocating for a position or uh, kind of maybe be, especially uh, on the like the inclusivity side of things. Uh, you watch an old movie before um, before trans rights and that kind of thing, and 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 people just weren't as tolerant back then. But it wasn't so much intolerance; it's just just kind of ignorance, really. You know, you have people. You can watch an old movie where the hero of the movie is perhaps you know making fun of somebody for being gay or making fun of somebody because they've dressed like a woman. And uh, obviously today, if you were to watch something like that, that would that you would you would notice that in a way that an audience back then wouldn't. Oh, uh, totally. Yeah. Uh, everything's kind of a reflection of the the time where it was when it was created. Yeah. One big thing now, too, that I think is um, probably changing things quite a bit and uh, certainly having an effect on patriotism in culture would be, um, you know, the global reach of a lot of this uh, media, you know, obviously Captain America and Superman, when they were created, primarily they were created for an American audience. Uh, That's who was reading these comic books. Uh, When they had early movies and TV shows coming out, uh, it was for an American audience. And even though, you know, a lot of American television and movies have, uh, you know, gone overseas and been enjoyed by people all over the world, movies today are specifically made to be global and to have a global audience. Oh, you're absolutely right. You're looking at like major blockbusters getting 30 to 40 percent of their revenue overseas and um, sorry, 30, 30 to 40 percent of the revenue domestic and 60 to 70 percent of their revenue overseas. So in order for the big a big budget movie to be successful, it needs to be successful overseas. That's why you're seeing a lot of um, focus on um, more like diverse characters, like like Shang-Chi coming up in the MCU is like geared to, to um, a Chinese audience and, mm-hmm. make, you know, trying to capture that market even more than Marvel already has. Yeah. Um, and that was an interesting consideration, like in phase one, when Marvel was just starting out and um, they were putting out a movie captain america uh, having america in the title and selling it to a global audience uh, was a big question mark actually if you look in some territories 
in some territories, Captain America, the first Avenger, was actually um, sold as... Just called the first Avenger? Yep, exactly. His storyline is very American and very patriotic, um, American-focused. So you kind of have to wonder, how is that going to play overseas? Um, Especially in places where, you know, and, and unfortunately it's probably getting more and more where people look at America as, you know, not necessarily a good force in the world. And certainly uh, Captain America is a representation of America and this idea of, you know, he's fighting for American influence in the world, America, uh, American ideals and all of this. He sort of represents, in, in a way, American uh, colonialism. And so to have these other countries who are now being sold this uh, you know, American media uh, featuring starring Captain America. And if you if you live in one of the countries that was, you know, uh, and their government was toppled or their economy was crushed because of American influence, you know, you probably wouldn't wouldn't like that story very much. Uh-huh, right. But in a way, it could be, you know, a good thing for us because Captain America really represents the best of America. And so selling that to the rest of the world is definitely, a, he's a good, he's good PR for us. <laughs> yeah, so it, it turns into public relations for, for our own, our own yeah. country. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's just been the case, I think, for all overall. Like, I, I imagine so much of Americans' position, America's position in the world is probably, you know, due to the efforts of Hollywood, not specifically to be patriotic necessarily, mm-hmm. but just in terms of American media. Because anytime you can go into any country now and, you know, people will quote classic American movies all the time, mm-hmm. uh, American blockbusters, they engage and they connect with America through that. And so, you know, obviously a lot of our foreign policy they may have issues with and uh, the history of America, but um, in terms of the media and I think a representation of just kind of your average American, um, you know, I think it helps them feel a connection there. Totally. Um, You know, Marvel can go to the government and say, you know, you can't have my property, but you can thank me. I've successfully privatized uh, your PR. (laughs) Just just don't go making any... uh, Thor the Dark World references. Because <laughs> no one will remember them. But I do wonder, does um, is Thor considered patriotic for um, that area of the world? I, I'm, I'm terrible at oh. this sort of thing, so I don't really know what that area of the world is other than it's, you know, those Nordic Norway. countries, yeah. which I think, yeah, is Norway and like Sweden possibly mm-hmm. and some other ones or Switzerland or... No, it's, uh, maybe maybe Finland. Mm-hmm. Finland, if, if Finland even exists. <laughs> do they feel for Thor like we feel for Captain America? Um, that's a great question. I'm not really sure. Or is it perhaps probably too far removed in terms of history as well? Because I imagine there's probably still some pride there for most uh, kind of Nordic people in terms of uh, their old mythology. Um, but obviously it's it's probably a bit ancient at this time. Yeah, that's a great question. I'm not sure. If we have any um, Nordic listeners... Um, they need to tweet at us, I guess, and, and let us know if there's um, some pride in the, the Thor films, yeah. even Dark World. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know. I think you mentioned before that you haven't seen The Boys, right? No, I haven't. And, and did you watch um, The Watchmen? I know I haven't, but I heard it's very good. Okay. Yeah, I think I think these are pretty, they're pretty interesting. They're really great just on their own. But in terms of this conversation, I think they're pretty relevant. Um, because they're they're a different take. I think you know Captain America and Superman, you know, are are kind of representing the good of America. Uh, Watchmen and the Boys are more of a critique of America, which in a way I think is um, 
you know, its own kind of patriotism because it's sort of challenging us to do better. You know, I think there's a quote, I don't remember what it is exactly, but something like, um, you know, a, 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 it's like basically a nationalist is proud of their country no matter what, but uh, a, a true patriot is only proud of their country for doing good and, you know, make sure that it does good. True. You know, it's, it's unpatriotic to just say, oh, that's fine, you know, and, and overlook it. And uh, certainly Watchmen, um, the latest one, I don't, I don't know too much about, you know, the history of Watchmen as a comic. And uh, I did watch the, uh, the, old, the old movie, but the series that came up um, recently on HBO is, is, is really hyper-focused on race relations in America and, you know, the history particularly of black people in, in America and uh, highly relevant right now, right now with the uh, protests and the Black Lives Matter movements going on. But um, definitely a critique on America, uh, and then the boys is is similar in that it's a critique on America, uh, but it's a lot more focused on the um, capitalist side of things. It's a lot more uh, a cri- critique of corporate control. Oh wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, I, I won't go into too much details about it just because of you know spoilers, but you you should definitely check them out sometime. Oh yeah, for sure. And that kind of reminds me of like. Uh, how in the Winter Soldier, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and even the Dark Knight, were kind of um, kind of trying to critique like the surveillance state that had kind of yeah. taken effect in, in in America as a response to like nine eleven and the War on Terror and all that. And you know, going back to to being a patriot, it's like your responsibility to to speak up and and say something, and it's your responsibility to make your country better. Oh, Krypton. I guess now is a good time for a quick ad break, or it would be if we had any advertisers. We do have a Patreon, though. You want to tell the listeners about that? Sure. So it's patreon.com slash W-U-T-R. Pronounced water. Exactly. But it's spelled W-U-T-R. Water. Anyway, people who like our show, they can go to Patreon and support the show. If you donate $3 a month, you'll get a call-out in our end credits. And for $10 a month, you'll get the credits, call-out, and access to our monthly Q&A live streams. Very cool, and with that support, we can hopefully make the podcast a lot better. The audience has been growing, so we really need to upgrade to some professional equipment. And hire a professional editor. Yeah, definitely. I guess that's it for the ad for now. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash water. W-U-T-R. And support the show if you enjoy listening each week. Now let's get back to whatever we were talking about. I've just feel, felt so guilty I've been carrying them around all day. So how would you rate the MCU right now in terms of like patriotism? How, how patriotic do you think it is? I think that patriotism is definitely there in, in a lot of the characters and a lot of the movies. Um, probably not every single one, but yeah, definitely. Like you know, Captain America, we talked a lot about, and I think Iron Man certainly uh, very right. patriotic characters, which are kind of like the the heart and soul of the MCU. I think. How about Captain Marvel? Where does where does she sort of uh, line up there? Hmm, that's a good question. Because um, she's certainly, I guess, recruited by um, by Shield, and she's you know one of the good guys in that sense. But she's more cosmic, a little more global, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So she doesn't really have that patriotic feel, but. You know, she she kind of could be, I guess. Yeah. It's hard to tell. I guess it's still early with her. Right. Yeah, that's true. I've only had one movie with her. But I kind of feel like the, they're, they're kind of moving away from that kind of America-centric. 
central yeah. kind of focus. Well, yeah, I guess we can't deny that um, you know Black Panther is certainly patriotic. It's just that it's um, you know Wakanda forever, not not America. <laughs> right. Um, so. So definitely some patriotism there for for Wakanda. That's true. And then you have the the DC uh, superheroes, which you know we talked about Superman a bit. Uh, Batman came up. Doesn't really seem like Batman is um, what I would call patriotic. Really, I mean he's certainly patriotic, I guess, on a very microcosm because it's you know Gotham patriotism. He's he's all about the city of Gotham. But I don't think that Batman has ever represented America or really done anything for America in particular. And then Wonder Woman, she seems like she would be kind of patriotic, but it's almost kind of like a, a Black Panther thing there too, where it's a, a Wakanda forever, but in this case, it's a, an Amazonia or wherever she's from, Amazon. You know, she's she's you know representing her own her own tribe, um, but you know, she's American now, I guess. Um, she sort of adopted mm-hmm. uh, America as a result of, I guess, from the movies, falling in love with an American soldier. Right, and I, I feel like. America was kind of more of a central component to Wonder Woman's story uh, earlier on than it, than more of a, more of a focus in the movie. I think the movie kind of made her more more of like a global hero. Well, and especially with the casting, I think too, because you cast uh, an Israeli mm-hmm. actress, so then you know she obviously has a foreign accent, and um, you know I think that's that's part of it is that she's they they certainly set up the premise of you know she's not she's not one of us she's like Superman, she's from another world, so to speak, and um, it's about you know her being introduced to this world. It is interesting that the way she becomes American um, is essentially by this uh, you know falling in love with the American soldier, right? Oh, true. Um, whereas with Superman, he becomes American just because he crash lands in Kansas. Right. Yeah, that's true. I'm kind of curious to see how they bring back um, what's his name. Uh, Chris, uh, um, Captain Kirk. Yes, Captain Kirk. How they bring him back in the sequel because uh, it takes place oh, yeah, forty he, like, years. Exploded, right? He did explode. For, Spoilers. It takes place. <laughs> it takes place forty years after he exploded. Uh, yeah. So how is he coming back? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sure he, they'll be fine. I'll just um, you know CGI some gray hairs or something. <laughs> yeah. It'll be like that uh, Monty Python thing. You know, didn't you explode? Yeah, but I got better. <laughs> it just took me some time, but as you can tell, I haven't aged a day. Yeah, but yeah, the the new one takes place in 1984. Well, if I had to guess, though, um, time travel is possible sort of through Flash in the DC world, right? Oh yeah. So if I had to guess, maybe Flash somehow saved him. Oh, and I heard an interesting rumor that Michael Keaton is actually going to show up in the Flash movie. Oh yeah, as as Vulture. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, as okay. Batman from the nineties. Oh, okay, that's cool. That's funny. This guy, he, we got to do a whole episode on Michael Keaton then, because he's played Birdman <laughs> and Batman and Vulture. Yeah. Any anything with wings, he'll take the role. <laughs> yeah. So, what about Batman then? Uh, speaking of Michael Keaton, uh-huh. how patriotic is he? Yeah, that's true. Like you never see Batman with like an American flag. You'll see Superman. You'll see Spider Man. You know. In front of the flag, even Iron Man. Yeah, the only thing that I kind of get about Batman, you know, he's not, he doesn't, he, he's he's a kind of like that creature of the night by design, right? And he's sort of like Gotham is like the underbelly of New York City, so he's sort of supposed to be the shadow of of our own culture. Mm-hmm. So if he is patriotic, it's going to be in a kind of uh, shadow way of being patriotic. 
And the connection that I do see, obviously, as mentioned, you know, he cares a lot about his city and about Gotham. It doesn't really expand beyond that. But Batman does have that close relationship with um, uh, Jim Gordon, Commissioner Gordon. And it's interesting how Batman is sort of sort of a cop, but sort of not. Like, you know, obviously he's, he's a, a vigilante and that's how it's positioned. But at the same time, they have a bat signal to call him. So it's almost like he's an extension of the police, you know, off the books. Like, you know, the police can't go around beating up criminals, but they can shine a light in the sky and and call Batman to come beat up criminals, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, interesting because it's it's there's certainly patriotism, I think, built into um, the, our kind of love of the police force or a kind of maybe misguided nationalism or, mm-hmm. or something you might call it. Um, but there certainly is a lot of, um, you know, support the police as if, you know, you would say support the troops. Um, but at the same time, Batman has this kind of uh, almost problematic relationship with the police because he, he is working outside the bounds of the law. He is, um, even though I guess he technically doesn't kill people, uh, except for Two-Face apparently, um, but he still punches people, beats them up, and is very violent. Um and perhaps, you know, doesn't uh, ask for a warrant and these kind of things. So so it's interesting. I think there is probably something there going on uh, that can kind of play on both sides where it's, you know, he's not a police and the system is corrupt and that's why he has to do this. But at the same time, you know, he's, he's, he's sanctioned by Commissioner Gordon. Right. He's like the good cop, bad cop. <laughs> he's bad cop. Yeah, he's he's definitely bad cop, um, but I guess I don't know a good a good guy supposedly. So, uh, but then also too, it's interesting. Like we talked about with Tony Stark, you know, he has ultimately ultimately he's a Lex Luthor kind of guy. He's a he's just a, a rich uh, industrialist, and yet using his money for good. True. I think there have been we can do a whole episode on on the um, effectiveness of Batman probably, but I, I've read articles about how uh, how much more good Batman could do if he simply like donated his money versus uh, dressing up in a costume and, <laughs> and punching bad guys. And, right. you know, Cause clearly Gotham, I, again, being kind of the underbelly of New York, it's certainly a, a gross misrepresentation of reality. Like, you know, we don't actually have that high of crime rates in New York city or probably anywhere in the U S and we certainly don't have, um, you know, psychopaths dressing up as clowns and committing ma- mass murder. And we don't have, um, you know, deformed penguins out there and all of these things. So there's just in one city alone, there's like, you know, five or six major uh, psychotic criminals <laughs> that on a routine basis go out committing uh, horrible atrocities. And so, um, you know, that's such a distorted society that um, doesn't really seem to have too much bearing on reality. And I always kind of look at Batman as more of a, uh, more of a psychological thing like it's not meant to be or the real world it's more of a you know everything's very psychological about Batman it's more of uh, kind of coming into terms with your your own uh, perversions or psychosis or whatever it might be and then certainly Batman being a shadow of Bruce Wayne and all of that uh, but ultimately like Gotham is clearly in trouble if he opened up um, you know some homeless shelters uh, some clinics some mental health clinics and things like that maybe Gotham wouldn't have all of these uh, problems with the criminal psychopaths. Then he would have to find a new hobby, though. So really, he just, you know, is punching people to pass the time. Exactly. Because when you're too rich to, you know, need to work, you have a lot of time on your hands. Yep. (laughs) 
Do you know of any um, non-American superheroes that have had much of an influence? Yeah. In terms of like the the character is not American, but in terms of the actual yeah. creation of it has been from, you know, not not America. Well, I think that James Bond is a great example of like like British uh, patriotism or like... Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and you mentioned Robin Hood, so you're really set on these mm-hmm. British uh, superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess beyond like the UK and the US, there really aren't that many other pop culture characters that have gone global. Maybe Zorro? Yeah, so Zorro is an interesting one because I don't know that Zorro... I'd have to research it. I don't know if Zorro itself is Mexican because, like I said, it's it's it was uh, in a previous episode. I mentioned that it, I watched it on Disney, and it's a Disney production. Uh, the story of Zorro probably comes from something Mexican, if I were to guess. But eventually, you know, the, the version that we know today was acquired by um, Disney, similar to like The Little Mermaid or something like that, probably. So oh, yeah. that, in a way, has kind of Americanized it. And certainly the old um, show, uh, the bad guys in that were most of the time actually like the Mexican government. Uh, although, you know, here in California, it was in America. It was not America yet, I guess. But um, a lot of the time it was him sort of fighting against the, um, the army, uh, the, the Mexican army and the Mexican government who was, you know, corrupt and something like that. And so it's interesting because on one hand, you could look at it and think, uh, you know, if this was a Mexican story and a Mexican production, then yeah, it's a criticism of um, themselves in a way, their own government, um, sort of like Watchmen or, or The Boys would be. But when you look at it as owned by Disney, then it becomes sort of the reverse of that, especially considering, you know, we took California from Mexico and this came long after that in terms of the TV show. So then it's almost like we're criticizing the Mexican government and the Mexican system that was in place that, you know, now, fortunately, America has come in and, and corrected. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I think it could kind of go both ways there, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that there's like the original mythos that was created and then there's the um, kind of mass market way that it's sold. Yeah, and certainly the new, the movie, I don't know if you, you watched, I don't think you watched the TV show, right? You But you've seen the movie with Catherine Zeta-Jones? Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. And so there, I do remember specifically, you know, again, the, the bad guy is still like a Mexican governor or something like that. But there is specifically an American general that's working with him secretly. And he's one of the bad guys too. So, you know, at least I think in a way, that's sort of a critique of that American influence in foreign affairs. And I think that like a lot of like the Disney movies have kind of tried to show um, other cultures or other countries and have create stories in, uh, in other um, parts of the world, um, even if those don't really originate from, from those countries like Coco in, in Mexico, um, Aladdin in, I would assume, Saudi Arabia. Um, and then you have like Moana with Hawaii. Yeah, and so you wonder if how much of their kind of inherent uh, local patriotism is sort of lost in the the Disneyfication of it. You know, like um, obviously, like something with like the Little Mermaid, the original tale, wherever it came from. Um, Hans Christian yeah. Andersen, I think. Right? There was actually a big debate about that. Where where does um, the Little Mermaid come from? Is it the Caribbean, which I think is was the winning answer? Or was it? I yeah. think the Mediterranean was the other. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't. I don't know much about the original source material, so I 
couldn't couldn't weigh in there. But um, but yeah, it is it is interesting because then you have Disney basically buying up everyone's folklore, <laughs> including <laughs> Robin Hood, which we've talked about already. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you do have this American company, um, you know it, it changes things. But then also with globalism here, you know how how long is Disney really going to be an American company? Uh, you know it's obviously one now, but but its interests are not American anymore because it, it needs to get that that money from from China from other markets. Uh, so then suddenly, are they giving back? Or you know, they take Aladdin before you know they take take Aladdin and they um, you know cast white people to play their voices and it's a very Americanized production. And then they do the live action and then it's you know the reverse of that. Now they're like, let's pander to these uh, you know to Middle Eastern people to Indian people. Let's um, you know cast people who are uh, who are of this ethnicity in order to, um, you know, appeal to that audience, probably. Um, maybe there's some, you know, diversity points there in terms of uh, altruistic reasons, but um, probably the reality of it for Disney ultimately comes down to, you know, the, the money side of things, that they want it to be a global film. They don't want it to be an American film. Yeah, that's true. And I think that ship has already sailed. I already think that it's uh, Disney's a global company with, um, a global audience and a global kind of mindset. Um, so I think that that day has already come and passed. Um, yeah. I think it's been a pretty recent development, to be honest. I think that it's only been in the last maybe maybe 10 years. That'd be an interesting question. Like, when when did that happen? Yeah, certainly like the financial motivation behind mm-hmm. it anyway. Like, obviously, like I said before, American media has always been global. Um, mm-hmm. But it used to be sort of just an accident you know we we had hollywood yeah. so we were the country that was creating all of the, these blockbusters and things like that and then of course you know there there wasn't a big film industry in in korea back then there wasn't a big film industry uh you know in in these other countries and so naturally they you know they have their own small films and their own you know low budget type of films that are available to them but they want to watch these big blockbusters that america is producing and so that's what's um you know, getting sold all over the world, and now, now it's more money driven. I think you know, back then, it was just sort of um, you know a side effect. You know, you create something for an American audience; it becomes popular enough that people outside of America enjoy it, and it just becomes part of um, pop culture. But now, you know, these kind of, these companies, which is is mainly Disney at this point, uh, are going into it thinking about that global audience, uh, and I think that's probably going to you know certainly change the way patriotism uh, is reflected in a lot of this media now because you know you can't you can't be uh, a national patriot you, and, and expect that global audience you you got to be a bit more of a, a global patriot you have to be fighting for you know global ideals mm-hmm. not just american ones that's true like when in superman returns he said he he wasn't allowed to say truth justice in the, the american way he said truth justice and all that stuff and I remember that moment. In... Wait, did he say literally and all that stuff? Yeah, I remember. He said truth, justice, and all that stuff. Yeah, because I remember that moment in 2006. And I remember it just being like this jarring thing where it's like, does Superman not belong to us anymore? Yeah, this was that one um, with Kevin Spacey. Yeah, that's the one. 
Okay, yeah, I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah, so so it's a global audience, and also the um, the conversation is global. You know, when a movie is trending on Twitter it, uh, and people are talking about it, that's an international audience talking about it. And it used to be that the foreign box office was kind of like an ancillary market, where it's like you 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 budget your movie based on what you think you're going to make domestically, and then any money that you make in the foreign foreign box office or on like home video or yeah, when you sell the rights extra. to cable it's just yeah it's, it's extra but that that calculation has changed now and it's a global global box office and that's the the thing that you're depending on that's why budgets have gotten you know bigger movies have become you know more elaborate and, and, and fantastic really um and but the other thing is like release dates have changed too um it used to be that you know a, a hollywood production got a foreign release date you know, a month after it came out, three months after it came out, maybe even six months after the movie was released in the United States. And now you're, you're seeing more and more and more day and date release worldwide. They, they all want it at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. And I, they don't want to wait. And I think that's kind of the direction that it's moving. And I think that's a really good thing because spoilers, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you know, there's nothing more patriotic than spoiler warnings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the uh, the new American way, and all that stuff. And the other concern is uh, piracy. You know, if you have a movie that's playing in the United States or in... yeah, by the time it gets to a foreign market, mm-hmm. everyone there has already pirated it because they didn't want to wait. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of uh, patriotism, I guess Fourth uh, of July is coming up soon. What do you think would be a good Fourth of July superhero movie to watch? Ooh, uh, I would say uh, Captain America: The First Civil Avenger. War. Oh, oh okay. I, th- I thought well, you were going to say Civil War. So, <laughs> um, I think the first one is actually the most like patriotic movie. Yeah. Um, but really, maybe even the second one. I th- I think they actually get less and less patriotic. So really, your vote is just Captain America: Marathon Fourth of yes. July. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I would have to vote for Superman Returns. <laughs> yes, and then and verify Just because I haven't seen it in a reference. while, so I need to see. <laughs> I need to see what's going on with that movie. And then you have to answer the question: Which was better, Superman Returns or Man of Steel? Oh, I, Superman Returns definitely. <laughs> the key, though, and we can probably talk about this in a Superman episode sometime. Uh-huh. The key to Superman Returns is to end it. End it as Superman is falling to his death. Ooh. Just end there. Uh-huh. And then it's the best. It's the best Superman movie ever. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I was still curious about what happened with this kid. Spoiler alert! I would have. I would have oh, wanted yeah. to see more of that. It was just like this little tease in that. Um, yeah, the Jesus parallels were heavy. Yeah. So that kid is growing up to be Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I was a big uh, Smallville fan when that show was on. So when Superman Returns came on, it was like. Perfect timing because you know I was you know, watching this show weekly and I was really excited about it. And the fact that like Superman Returns never really materialized into a franchise kind of bummed me out. Yeah, I think I think it could have been an interesting one. I think I think we're getting kind of off topic though, so we could probably do a, a whole a whole episode on on Superman or Superman Returns even. Oh yeah. All right. So before we wrap up the episode on comic book heroes and uh, patriotism. We did talk a little bit about, you know, foreign superheroes, and it turns out you and I don't really know of any other than Robin Hood and Aladdin, and I'm not sure that they really fall in the vein of, um, you know, comic book superheroes. 
Uh, so if anyone listening out there knows, you know, what, what's a famous uh, big-time superhero from, from your country, we'd like to know about it. So tweet us at um, WUTR Podcast or hit us up on Facebook and uh, let us know. Maybe we can do a whole episode about uh, non-American foreign uh, superheroes. Sounds great. See you next week. Hey, it's the end of the episode. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or whatever you listen to podcasts on. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at WUTR Podcast. If you like the show and want to support it, check out our Patreon at patreon.com WUTR. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for more superhero stuff.